Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch Annie, the radio chick, and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. Listen, guys, I got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me. But I think I can't keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Water. Earth Water is a company that is faith-based and patriotic. Earth Water is an amazing water. It will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide. It has over 70 antioxidants and minerals. It's good, trust me. I already sleep better. I dropped one of my prescriptions, and I'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon. So ask yourself, do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier? (laughs) Who doesn't? If so, check out the Earth Water link on my homepage at Southern Sense. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Who doesn't want to make some easy money? You'll earn a 10% commission on what you sell, and they even set up a web page for you to sell from. How easier can that be? Every time a customer returns to your page and buys, boom, you just earned an easy 10% commission. Sign up now. Buy at least a case. And let me know what you think just by going to my web page. That's the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. All right, and you're here listening live to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Lone Star Daily News. Up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, all the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle at southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest, the radio chick, Annie. And I want to welcome everyone that's listening in in the chat room and in the studio and on Facebook and YouTube and everywhere else between. And unfortunately, my co-host Curtis is having a little bit of a hard time getting into the show. So hopefully he'll be able to join us shortly. We've got a lot to talk about. And we have a surprise guest at the end of the show, someone that you thought would never, ever be a part of this show, uh, but uh, he will be joining us. It looks like finally Curtis got into the studio. Curtis, is that you with us? Yes, I'm, I'm on the Skype, but I'm not in the studio yet. Curtis is having a little bit of a hard time, <laughs> but yeah. that happens, thank you. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for making our life miserable. <laughs> oh, anyway, 
Uh, I was saying, Curtis, that we've got ourselves a great show. We have Gerhard Gressman. He is challenging Jim Clyburn for that seat in Congress. So we may be able to change a seat that has been blue since 1991 and possibly wow. turn it red. So he'll be joining us at the start of the show. And on the second half, we have Dr. Herb London. from the. He's the director of the London uh, Center uh, for Policy or am I getting that backwards, but <laughs> his website's londoncenter.org. He's a frequent guest on the show. We love having uh, Dr. L- Herb London with us. But we have a surprise guest. The last 15 minutes of the show, someone that you would never think would ever appear on a show like this. Uh, but I saw him last night up on Fox News, and he was so eloquent in what he said. I felt that we should have him on the show. So that surprise guest will join us at the last uh, 15 minutes of the show. So we got a lot to do, a lot to talk about. And um, anyone that listens to our show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's show is going out to not one fallen hero, but to four. It is going out to Army Staff Sergeant uh, Brian C. Block, Staff Sergeant Jeremiah W. Johnson, Staff Sergeant Dustin M. Wright, and Staff and Sergeant the David T. Johnson. These gentlemen were killed on October 4th of 2017 while serving with the U.S. Africa Command Operations in Niger. And this is coming from several different sources to begin with from Fox News. Staff Sergeant Brian C. Black, Staff Sergeant Jeremiah W. Johnson, Staff Sergeant Dustin M. Rye, and Staff Sergeant, I'm sorry, Sergeant LeDavid T. Johnson. The four U.S. service members were killed when they were ambushed by Islamic extremists in West Africa. They were all decorated soldiers. Two American troops were also wounded in the ambush in Niger near the Mali border. The dead also included four Niger military members. The Islamic State was responsible. The U.S. and Niger forces were leaving a meeting with tribal leaders when they were attacked. The Pentagon said all four soldiers who were killed were assigned to the 3rd Special Forces Group based in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. The ambush last October 4th near the village of Tango Tango in western Niger has led to allegations that what was to have been a joint training patrol by U.S. and Nigerian troops with little risk turned into a poorly planned raid to capture a terrorist suspect by a force that lacked backup and air cover. The raid found only an empty camp, and the patrol was attacked as it left Tango Tango, resulting in the deaths of the four American troops from the Army's 3rd Special Forces Group. Four Nigerian troops and a Nigerian interpreter also lost their lives. Sergeant LeDavid Johnson was 25 of Miami Gardens, Florida. Johnson was known as the Wheelie King to thousands on social media. He would ride from his home to his job at the Walmart in Pembroke Pines on a one wheel of his bicycle, PLGTV reported. His mother's death shaped him, and he was a gym and church regular who believed in hard work, the station reported. 
My brother stood for something. Angela Ghent, his half-sister, wrote, according to the station, he fought for his country, and that's how he will be remembered. The names of his wife and two children were tattooed on his chest. His wife, Myesha Johnson, wrote on his Facebook page that months ago he told her that he didn't want anyone putting his face on a rest in peace, an RIP shirt, in the event he was killed. If you are dear, true friends and family of my husband, you will respect his wish and refrain from coming to his viewing or his funeral with his face on a shirt, she said. Staff Sergeant Brian Black was 35 of Polyup, Washington. A neighbor of Black's family told Q13 Fox that she never knew he was fighting for our country. What an honor it is to live across the street from them, Whitney Camel said. Black's mother was a teacher. His sister-in-law remembered him as a great father and husband, the station reported. Staff Sergeant Dustin Wright, 29, of Lyons, Georgia. Wright joined the Army soon after graduating Toombs County High School. His aunt, Terry Crisco, told the Southwest Georgia Today that her nephew was a lovable jokester who never met a stranger and would give his last dime to someone in need. He made the ultimate sacrifice, Crisco said. He is our hometown hero. Wright took pride in being able to serve his country, his cousin Denise Collins told the news outlet. I told someone today that Dustin knew exactly what could happen one day when he signed up. And he was ready for it, she said. He was ready to serve our country to the best of his ability. And the fact he was a Green Beret proves to me he did just that. And finally, Staff Sergeant Jeremiah Johnson was 39, of Springsboro, Ohio. Johnson was known where he grew up as a red, white, and blue, solid, rock-solid American with a great heart, WLWT-TV reported. He was a husband and father of two children. A former neighbor of Johnson's parents told the station she knew Johnson was in Africa. We knew where he was, and he wasn't in a good place. Tiana Aldridge said it was just heartbreaking. The Dayton Daily News quoted her husband, Jeff Baldridge, as saying that Johnson was doing what he really wanted to do. He really wanted to be an NCO, non-commissioned officer, in the United States Army. Today's show is dedicated to these four brave men. It is also dedicated to all of those that serve in the military from the birth of this nation through today and into its future. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement officers, firefighters, or emergency responders. God bless each and every one of them. We dedicate the song by Todd Allen Harrington, My Name is America. May God bless each and every one. Freedom has never been free 
Live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the, the Lone Star Daily News, Kinetic High Five, the Fix FM out of Charleston, up on Spreaker, Stitchers, whatever, YouTube, Facebook. We're all over the place. So just check us out. Go to the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Oh, I want to welcome aboard my co-host, a little late to the show, but welcome, Curtis. Oh, yeah. Glad to see you with us. 
Oh, man, you had a hard time getting into the studio, and I'm sorry about that. But we got ourselves a great show lined up. We've got our first victim uh, in the ballpen. Uh, he is running oh, for Congress, yeah. and this has been attempted a couple times before to unseat James Clyburn, who has held that seat since 1991. Will someone please unseat this man and send him into permanent retirement? But I think we've got the guy for it, and I'm very hopeful so let's welcome aboard Gerhard Gressman. Good afternoon, Gerhard. Good afternoon, and thank you for the uh, the encouragement. I guess I have to call that encouragement because we are going to unseat <laughs> Mr. Clyburn. It's no doubt about that. This is the time we have the president in place, and it, it, this is our time in history. Oh, well, from your lips to God's ears. Um, you have, have a very storied background. You are an immigrant, a legal immigrant. Tell us about yourself and your background. Well, just a little bit. I was born in Germany, in Stuttgart, Germany, 1948, and I came here with my stepfather and my mother in, uh, in 1956, 55-56, and, and uh, my father was in the Army, my stepfather, and and uh, we came here, and my, my mother was went through the whole process of becoming a citizen. So uh, because of my age, I became a naturalized citizen. So I'm very proud to be here. I've been here. I've served in the, in the Army um, for 10 years and did two tours in Vietnam. So um, I, I'm running for Congress because I'm just tired of what's going on and what's been happening for 25 years in our district. I live here in Estill, South Carolina, and... I'm a proud resident of South Carolina and a proud American. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. You know what? You were born in Germany probably about the same time my father was stationed there because uh, he was the uh, the post-World War troops, the occupying troops. And uh, if, if you remember, uh, during World War II, the phone system was completely bombed out by the Allies. And my father, as a corporal, was in charge of rebuilding your phone system, starting in Frankfurt and then throughout the rest of Germany. A little-known fact. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And, and if I may, you just said you just touched on something that that I've been thinking about. Now, you know, I've, I've before the campaign, I'm not a career politician. I'm, I'm new at this whole thing, and and thank you, Anne, for helping me along the way. Your little emails and suggestions have been very kindly received. But this reminds me of something in our country, what's going on right now is, is uh, podcasting. I was not familiar with it. I didn't know anything. I got onto Facebook, and you know, I had very limited contact. But you people are like uh, back in the 50s. I don't know if you've ever heard of Radio Free Europe at the time that was going on. Oh, yes. it, it, was getting, it was getting the truth out to the people behind the Iron Curtain. And more and more I'm realizing that podcasters – and 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 these local programs are are linked to the truth, uh, and and it's so beautiful. You know, we met at a meeting last month, and and I didn't really know much about podcasts, but I sure learned real quick, and I sure learned how important you are for for keeping out the truth, because in mainstream media nowadays, uh, at best we get half truth or or a portion of truth, and and you know what what I see out there is. When the president goes down, went down to Texas, and and during the floods, 
all they talked about was his wife and wearing the wrong shoes and had the wrong coat on. So, you know, it's it's important for you and and others to be out there to say, hey, we have an alternative, and we have something, a product that that will get the word out. So I'm I'm very appreciative of this opportunity of getting on with you. Uh, it's it's a, it's a privilege. That's what I have to say. That we we're going to take our country back, and no doubt about that. Well, you're following in the footsteps because uh, our guest last week was Judge Janine Pirro. I've had on oh, New okay. Cambridge, Mark Stanford. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, you're among the privileged. I've had Dr. Wally Perez call me from the airport. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. We do get yes. through that. But it's funny because you, you mentioned Radio Free Europe, and I have a, a dear friend of mine. I worked with him when I was uh, in NYPD. And since you were in Germany at the time this happened, if you remember the story about this guy before the wall was built completely between uh, splitting Berlin, it was mostly barbed wire and, and barricades. And there was one guy that jumped the wall on a motorcycle and got to freedom. Do you remember that story? No, I sure don't. But uh, you know, people were doing anything to get get out of the East and and get to their freedom. So that doesn't surprise me one well, bit. He he was the first one to breach the wall and make it to freedom. His name was Frank Hartung, and he was a detective in the precinct I worked in in New York City. He was a good friend of mine. So uh, when I think about Germany, matter of fact, my husband was born in Augsburg because they were in a displaced persons camp in Germany uh, right after the war. And um, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, I never met him because he had passed by the time I married my husband. Um, He was in the Latvian um, army. Uh, He was a major, and he was captured by the Germans and imprisoned by them. So they knew what Nazism was. They knew what communism was. And you lived in an era where it was rising in Europe like crazy. Uh, So you know what freedom is, which is why your message is so important to get out there. Oh yeah, my uh, my understanding, and and I'm post. I'm a post-war baby, so I I, I wasn't alive, but I'm a history buff. Where uh, I love history and German history, of course, was so much in the 1930s, 20s, 30s, and 40s. And 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 it unfortunately, there's so much of these same same signals coming. You know, in Germany, people waited too long until it was too late. And and the Nazis took over, and 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 freedom was gone. And I'm afraid that I can no longer sit a, sit by the sidelines and and say, you know, I see the signals. Communism and socialism has never worked. Uh, look at Venezuela; it's a perfect country for that. I just saw that their their um, their inflation rate is is through the roof. You know, a country that has all these resources, but yet under socialism and communism, it never, never works. Uh, it, that's just the way it is. And so that's why I've gotten involved. And, and I have a real passion. I mean, I have a passion for people. Uh, you know, as you know, I'm a pastor. Um, uh, I've had two churches. Currently, I'm helping out a, a little church in, over in Allendale County because they're in a rural area and, and don't have a pastor. But my heart is for the hurting people and the 6th district has hurting hurting people uh if we look up the corridor of shame we look up the education 36 counties or school boards 
have not improved in 25 years. If anything, schools are getting worse. So, so my heart is for the people that can't speak for themselves. I want to be their voice. Well, it's funny Pastor. you mention that because uh, he, here in South Carolina, in Buford here specifically, uh, we have been fighting our school board. And at this point, uh, seven of the 11 seats are now open in the school board. We're turning it over because now it was 11 people running for those seven seats. It is now spread to 13 people running for those seven seats. So there is a passion in America, and it's rising. It's coming locally. It's coming from the grassroots. But hopefully it'll bring that red tide to sweep you into Congress. Go ahead, Curtis. Yeah, I was just curious. Um, I noticed more and more candidates are coming out on on the the left, um, proclaiming that they are socialists. It's almost as if they they're no longer ashamed to uh, to come out like that. I mean, there was a time when you wouldn't say you know that you were a socialist or commun communist, you know, running for office. Um, why do you think they feel so so comfortable coming out now? I, I think that. You know, it's just their time. They're they're emboldened by what was going on in the previous administration. Uh, if if you look at the previous eight years, uh, uh, America, the the law enforcement, the military, everything was going down. People were have never been more divided than they are now, and that was because of that. There was actually a unity beginning to happen in our country, and the healing had begun. But you know, when somebody goes in there and starts dividing people and starts saying these are evil people and those are evil people, those that are hopeless often just get on board and say, you know what, they're, they're right, they're right. Um, uh, so our country is so divided, and, and our district, and that's why I'm fighting so hard. You know, the socialism will not work. My, my opponent endorses all that. He he. He believes in, in, in abortion. He believes in uh, the, the taking over our country. He's, he's, he's not for the American flag, not for the Constitution. And, and all of these things are, are just, have just boiled up to the surface. I think it's been coming for years. Groups like uh, the Antifa people, uh, these groups have been growing in the, in the left uh, their anger and propensity to violence is just terrible. You know, Candace Owens was just uh, assaulted, the, what was it, yesterday? And, and, you know, Maxine Waters, she's very vocal on talk, talking about getting people out there and, and getting in conservatives' faces and, and attacking. It was just a time. There was a time that because of the division, socialism has become very popular. You know, uh, socialism says we'll give you everything make, make the government your god And we'll take care of you In our freedoms that we have in our country We are a nation of laws But they are trying to destroy that If you look at in California The, the riots by these leftists If you notice that the, the Democratic Party is very silent They don't say anything about what's going on they're, Because they're behind it They're, they're encouraging it it's the same thing that happened in in Germany in the 1920s. You have one arm that is the violence, and the other arm is the one that takes over. So uh, this is just a repeat of history. If you don't destroy evil, 
it is going to repeat itself. And, and unfortunately, we're seeing that in our country uh, as a very powerful, and it's coming up as socialism and communism, because it, and the ideas are great. Sure, let's, let's give out all free health care. Let's let everybody have uh, uh, an income that, you know, whether they work or not. That's what happens in Russia. And look at, look at the, the nation itself. Um, there are people that if you show up for work, that's okay. If you don't, that's fine too. And, and if you show up and sit around, that's okay. Uh, that's just the way communism works. Everybody is so dependent, and their god is their government. And in America, we're not like that, never have been. And that's what's awakening uh, the, the, the conservatives and those that are in the middle, that have been in the middle. I love this organization, Walk Away, um, because they're recognizing, young people are recognizing these people are dangerous. They don't want to take over and win elections. They want to take over a country and make it in what they have envisioned as the elite running things. Uh, and, and the people are just, we are just a supply of money to keep them going. Um, and it's, it's a very well, sad we a, situation. We got a caller in the line. He's been waiting patiently. Let me bring him along. Oh, okay. Former co-host of mine, Cool Mike. Cool Mike, good afternoon. How are you today? Uh, great. And uh, uh, first of all, thank you to your guest for putting himself out there. To run against a absolute uh, establishment, long-term establishment uh, um, candidate. He's running against Jim Clyburn, correct? correct? That's correct. Yeah, Mr. Racist himself. Um, I, uh, number one is, uh, I got three three questions, and Ann, thanks for taking my call. Number one, um, what made you decide to challenge him, considering, as I was doing some research, he won his last election, I think, like 70 plus points. How are you going to handle the race cards? Because you know sooner or later they're going to play it. As a Congress or as a candidate uh, running against the so called, you know, icon, do you plan to go into like his strongholds? And uh, what you have just said, I've been listening to you. It sounds great. And I know that Ann and uh, Curtis and I, we, we, we support, we're very much liberty candidates. Um, but I think the, uh, as you had mentioned, I think the, one of the big problems with a lot of these uh, indoctrinated is that uh, they don't know history. And as you said, it's destined to repeat themselves. Before I throw it back to you, you mentioned Radio Free Europe. There was a time in the 80s where Poland had Radio Free Poland. And they were the guys who were doing it, Annie, they were going to do a shoot just like you and Curtis do. And they thought, you know what, we're going to shut down. Nobody's listening. It's not getting anywhere. So one night they decided to tell everybody at 8 o'clock, blink your lights. And then I saw a TV special on it where they said the whole city was like they're blinking back and forth. So uh, that motivated them to keep on their, uh, you know, their radio-free polling. So I'll pass it back to you, um, candidate. Okay, thank you. That's a good question. And I do remember when, when uh, the surprise that people had when everybody was flashing their lights. But, you know, that's going on in our nation. You, the, the mainstream media is doing everything they possibly can to subdue what's really happening in our country uh, in politics, that people are waking up. You know, the Japan, that's what uh, they feared was the sleeping giant. And the sleeping giant is the, is the, the everyday hardworking person that uh, 
that goes to work, just wants to be left alone, make a living, and have the opportunities to, to have the life they want. So, uh, yes, that these are important stations and, and outlets. But going on to the first part of your question, uh, how am I going to conquer him in his own territory? Well, it's difficult, and that's how I'm doing it. I'm going out and traveling, talking, traveling and talking, and just anyone that will listen. Matter of fact, I, 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 even, I, I was down in Buford the other day, and I had a doctor visit, and, and I, I, I got a couple people that I, <laughs> the doctor that was seeing me, I convinced him to, to vote for me. And that's how I'm doing it, one person at a time. And, you know, I, I, I ha- I'm working off a very small budget. I don't even care about money. And so, but it is the message, and it is the time for the message. It is the right time. Uh, so I'm going through, I'm talking to church people, I'm trying to organize some meetings where I can talk to these people one-on-one to show them that I'm not evil, first of all. I'm not the, the hated, evil racist that, that is going to be portrayed of me. People that know me know I'm not. I can't, I can't be a racist if I'm a Christian, first of all. And so uh, uh, I, I am going out. I am traveling. Matter of fact, I have uh, uh, the month is full. I have to take a, a, a week off. I'm leaving right after the show. I have to go to Texas. Uh, my mother is in the final stages with cancer, and uh, my, one of my sisters called me, so Next week I'm going to be kind of out of pocket, but I have, uh, uh, let's see, two radio shows I'm going to be on. I'm going to be on channel, of, um, I, I think it's channel 15 or channel 5 in, in, in Conway, and I want people to see me. I want to get on as many programs and, 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 and in-person interviews that I can possibly have and say, people, here I am. This is what I am. If I can talk to people one-on-one, I can show them the history of what the Democratic Party has been going down. Matter of fact, uh, uh, around town and other places, I'll stop people and start talking to them. And, and, I, and I do see a lot of people, and I was talking to one gentleman that said, well, uh, are you a Democrat? Yes. Uh, would you consider voting for me? He says, I don't know how. I've never voted anything else. And he, he was an elder gentleman. And, and you know, that's, that's what I'm fighting. But you know what? That's not a problem, just we need to be out there doing and talking and talking. I have a small network of friends that, that are trying to help me out, some volunteers, and I appreciate it because I'm not a politician. So I need people out there. I need people talking. And, and, and if somebody says, hey, I, you want to talk to this guy, I just pick up the phone and call me, and I'll be happy to talk to anyone. And, and now how did I ever get to this point? Well, I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, um, I, I was uh, the way this whole thing started was last July. I was sitting in, um, under my carport. I was having a glass of ice water and sitting and talking to God, literally talking to God and saying, Lord, I don't have a church. It's been four months. Why don't I have a church? Or not, not asking him, but just what do you want me to do? What do you have a different direction for my life? And and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, says, I want you to get in politics. And I went, huh? Uh, you know, I can preach, but I've n- I don't even know anything about politics. And so that's where the whole thing came from originally. And, 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 and God wouldn't put me in a place to see me fail. Now, what I say is, uh, if I get elected come November the 6th, 
when I get to Washington, the first thing I'm going to do is go into the chambers, the house, and fall on my knees and thank God. Now, if I don't get elected, I'm going to fall on my knees and thank God also, because he is the one that's ultimately in charge of my life. But I don't really think he put me here to fail. And, 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 and my life is in God's hand. It always has been uh, for my adult life. And, and so what I'm seeing is, is the encouragement. I'll read something, and there's something in the Bible that, that this is what I needed today. This is the encouragement to go on. Because when I looked at who I was up against, because I didn't know who, who my opponent was, Clyburn? I didn't. Who's Clyburn? He's my congressman. I didn't know him. But as I began to tra- travel around, I found out, first of all, there's a whole lot of good people out there and that are frustrated and that are they're wanting change. Uh, some very good people. I've been all crisscrossing this district. You know, 16 counties is a big, big area. And I've and, um, been talking to people and been getting encouragement from that and from there i'm just going out and 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 doing what i think what what i believe the lord is is leading me to is and that's as a christian that's as honest as i can be i know people say you know on, on the view well you mean you talk to god and god talk to you well exactly right if your heart is right with god he'll he'll lead you in the right direction and wherever he leads me is where I will go. And that's why I'm so interested in this whole political race, because I have a heart for people. People, starting with children, the abortion issue is one of the greatest tragedies on this nation. We talk about World War II and what, what was done then. What are we doing? What are we doing to children? And the way we do it, I don't even want to get into that portion of it, but the way it's done, the abortion. And then we go into the, the, uh, the slave trade, the sex slave trade. In South Carolina, guess what? Here we are again. Allendale County, which is part of the 6th District, is one of the leading counties in, in the state that, that uh, has to do with this sex trade. I've seen uh, some big arrests, big numbers of groups coming, uh, being arrested. You know, those people don't have a voice. Those people are hurting. There's children out there that are being abused. Matter of fact, I was reading one story where uh, uh, Planned Parenthood was doing abortions for these sex slave traders of young girls and not telling anyone. They were working hand in hand. This, this is no accident what's going on around us. And, and you know, with our president, oh, God bless America and our president. Our president has done so much. He's he's answering, he's responding to everything he said, every promise he made. He's he's fulfilling it. And he needs people like me and others that are willing to back him up and say, "Let's get it done. Let's get the budget. Let's get let's get a hold of our finances." You know, I know he's 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 kind of between a rock and a hard place right now with 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 spending, but you've got to get things under control. And uh, the next portion of the president's uh, tax cut is getting ready to happen. So there, there, I'm excited. I'm very excited. And the more I travel, the more I get excited from meeting good people that have the same heart. And they needed somebody. I guess that's why the Lord put me here. Somebody that's willing to stand up 
against Clyburn and say, enough is enough, 25 years, and what have you done? And people don't vote for him, all you're going to get is more of the same. Why do you vote for somebody that, that and expect a change when all you get is more of the same? And I hope I didn't ramble on too long there. <laughs> no, not at all. Because uh, your website, I had told you to reach out to a couple of individuals, and I hope you do uh, to you know make your website a little bit more sharp. Uh, but it, you say yes. all these very same things on your website, and you have an open letter uh, on there. And my question is, is, are you getting any support whatsoever from the National Republican Party or the State Republican Party? You no, nothing at all. Me. Nothing at all. Um, at this point, I think, and, and, and this is just me speaking, but I think on the, the state and national, first of all, if you look at Ballotpedia and everybody else, Clyburn is a shoe-in. He has been for 25 years. And I'm thinking that perhaps they're holding back, waiting to see what I do. And starting with this month especially, uh, I'm going to be everywhere, and I'm going to continue right up to the day of the election. Uh, that I am, I am serious. I am not uh, happenstance. I am not somebody that's a fly-by-night. I am definitely serious uh, about what's going on and what's happening to people. And if I get elected, I am going to treat the the sixth congressional district of South Carolina as if it was my flock in a church. And that means every single person is important to me. I constantly travel around, and, and I, I speak to people, and they'll bring up, well, I, I needed help once from Clyburn and, and never even got a response. You know, I hear that constantly. Maybe I can't do everything for everyone, but I can sure give it my best shot in helping people. And uh, I'm going to be up in Columbia in, in a couple of weeks. I haven't made the date yet where I'm going to be riding the bus, the transit, because there is a, 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 a line that's been set up for, for working people to, so they can get to work. They've added some lines to that. And I'm going to go up there and ride around with people uh, just to get to know them because they are, if there was one constituent, he'd be the most important person in the world. And I have somewhere around 700,000 that are going to be important to me. And there are people hurting everywhere. And I have a heart for those people. So that's, that's where I stand on that. Are you going to be taking someone with you to video some of this? Because that would be excellent to put up on, like, YouTube, your Facebook page, your, your campaign page, so that people can see you actually there interacting with people. That would be wonderful. Well, they would be, but I, I'm a campaign of one. I do all my financial filings with IRS and the uh, Federal Elections Commission. I, I had to go to, I went to schools. I, I, I am getting into this that something, this political, and I, I know I'm in the big leagues uh, with uh, with Congress, but I'm doing this on my own at the moment. And and there are people that are volunteering to help and. To be honest with you, I'm not even sure how to what to tell them. Uh, there are some people that have backgrounds and 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 experience, and I'm and I'm kind of picking their minds. And but uh, it's it's been me. So if there's any pictures, I, I, I'm you know I'm doing selfies. But uh, 
no, I haven't. I don't have help. I wish I had a campaign manager. I don't have the money for it. Uh, that's just the way life is. But I don't let that get me down. I don't even let it slow me down. I'm going to do what I have to do. I do my own calling to get on on different shows and and activities and find out where to go and 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 I I don't have a problem with that. I'll do it the old fashioned way with with gum shoes and, <laughs> and and you know and going out there and doing it the hard way. Well, we've got a, a clown a friend of ours in the chat room and he said you need a publicity stunt like skydiving into the halftime of a local high school football game, trailing the American flag and maybe some sparklers. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, I, you know when 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 Katie Arrington was hurt in her big accident, and and I'm so glad I saw something yesterday on on her website, uh, one of the websites where she was at a, a, a disa- disability uh, some kind of athletic event in Som- Somerville, and I'm so glad she's getting better. But I had written her uh, a, a message when I messaged her. I says. I appreciate what you're doing, and you, congratulations on all the publicity, but I'm sure not going to do that to get more publicity. Uh, but, and, and I'm so glad <laughs> she's Katie. doing so much better. You know, she's doing a great, great job, uh, uh, especially when winning that difficult seat. So, you know, and, well, and, and having people get- all around me like that. Sure, go ahead. We need Trump to come down here to South Carolina and rally for you, for you and Katie. Well, I would appreciate we've got, we've got to get him to do that. Well, you know, I would even appreciate Sarah Sanders. I mean, <laughs> you know, and her father. I'm, 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 I'm reaching out to everybody I possibly can. Herman Cain over in Atlanta. I've, you know, I'm emailing and, and, and trying to get in touch with people. I just need a little bit where the fire starts. It, right now, it's a low flame. But I need some. I need. I do. You're, you're exactly right. I need some help to get the word out there. Uh, just give me an opportunity, and I'll win the people. I'll win their hearts because well, what I'm just, saying is so true, uh, and, and it's 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 the voice of the people that I'm speaking. I'm not speaking my own self. I'm speaking what what people are feeling. Yeah, I could use a little bit of help uh, from anybody. Um, I mean, if if I you know have to follow a garbage truck around and he advertises with a loudspeaker, I'd be happy for that. <laughs> but I, the, well, the in truth about is, two weeks, yes. two weeks you'll be here in Buford at our Tea Party meeting. So we're trying to get the word out because you were at the local GOP uh, meeting just last month. So hopefully, yes. you know, others will start to host you too, and the word will spread. Um, but those young Republicans offer to help you get out signs and whatever else you need too. So, you know, maybe they can help you, like I said, with the website and spruce it up and start posting it out there uh, on, like, Twitter and other things to get people aware that you have something out there. It's known as a money bomb that when you send it up on Twitter and Facebook, you send out money bombs to people, and donations will start to come in. And that's how we did Scott Brown. That's how we did Ted Cruz, money bombs. Yeah. Well, see, like I say, I'm an outsider, and uh, I will do – Anything and everything that it takes to, to, you know, to win this election, and and people like you and I, I am so and I'm so grateful for you, because those little emails that you might want to change this and do that and 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 I'm going to, but I'm uh, at the point I'm right now is, um, I won't say overwhelmed with all the information coming in, but I'm I'm pretty busy all the time, just reading and keeping up with things and 
and finding uh, activities that I need to attend and so those kind of things. But I do appreciate you and others that are so willing to, you know, to reach out and help me because it's important to me. It's important. One person doesn't make a campaign. It takes a lot of volunteers and a lot of time. And uh, and like I say, I'm always open to people with suggestions. I, I don't have a closed mind. That's what I was in the government. I was the work that I did was because I live outside the box. So uh, skydiving, if somebody <laughs> were to throw me out of the airplane, <laughs> I, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. And maybe I shouldn't have said that because somebody might take me up on it. <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. I, I need all the help I can get. Uh, I'm, I'm not begging. I'm just saying that there is so much talent out there uh, from people that have been around this uh moy graham up you know uh up uh up in uh, manning south carolina uh and others i mean uh, there are so many that i can point to that have given me suggestions and trying to help me up in orangeburg everywhere i go there are a lot of good people um i'm just uh, uh i'm just doing the best i can that's all i can say i'm doing the best i can and i and if i can do better somebody shows me i'll do it and jumping out of an airplane isn't beyond anything, <laughs> beyond my capabilities. I uh, I just put a well, handy, I just made him a hashtag, so it's going to be Gerhardt 2018, and I'm tagging you to a bunch of people who are deep partiers throughout the USA. Annie is your connection, my friend. Annie, you just had that congresswoman. <laughs> you had the judge, then that congresswoman who got in that wreck the week before that. You got that's who you're talking about, Katie Arrington. Yeah. Christ Almighty, you're yeah. like the the blog talk radio of uh, the Peter Jennings. <laughs> <laughs> no, please do not compare me to him, please. No, no. Well, you, when, you, when you had her on, she was like, "Well, I got a put." She goes, <laughs> "She stayed like almost an hour, and she has that guy who's pushing her around in the wheelchair." I could hear him talk in the background, but that was amazing. I mean, yes, two weeks was. after after this wreck, you have her on, and then you had the judge, which. I had to listen from the car, and I was yelling. I wanted to call so bad. But I'll tell you, Gerhardt, Annie's your connection. We'll do a hashtag, and I'm going to tag you to a bunch of tea partiers in the, uh, in, in the United, throughout the United States. And you know what? Uh, greater things have happened. And uh, you should panhandle Annie to run your campaign. She knows what she's doing. Well, uh, my, <laughs> no, my, salary, my, my budget for my salary is very low. <laughs> Oh, she'll work for a couple of a couple of martinis. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> well, you know, you know, speaking well, speaking of the last month's meeting when 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 uh, Arrington was there and she all the newspapers, um, all the newscasters were there and the cameras were lined up and she was speaking and I said, okay, I'm going to be speaking in a few moments and I get up there to the podium and they all they all folded up their equipment and went home. <laughs> I said, true yeah, story. I'm doing that it the was... hard way. I sure am. <laughs> yeah, because well, the they SAB was set up right behind me. And as soon as you got up there, the cameras all went off. Oh, that yeah, they so turned off and they walked away and they went to get something to eat. And I says, well, you know what? But but I did connect. That's that's what I enjoy doing, connecting with live people in the room. And I did connect with that group. I don't know how many were there, but. You know, it, it, it's the same message. We all have one message, and 
And we've got to get it out there, and we've got to make it happen. And I know we're going to. This is the year that when he, when Clyburn says, I want to be Speaker of the House, we're going to give him uh, 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 papers where he's no longer wanted, where he's no longer needed. Thank you for your service, 25 years. Now go your own way, because it's time for a new, new face. And by the way, uh, one of the things that I've pledged was uh, – that I will only run three terms. That's six years total. I have no desire to be a career politician. I am going to run for, for six years. And, you know, if, if I can't do it or if I do do it, there's always somebody good to, to follow up and continue the good work. But that's one of the biggest problems we have in, in government, career politician. These people have been there. These people have ruined our country. They need to go. That's my message. That's a huge amen on that one. Um, we only have like a few minutes left because Dr. Herb London will be calling in at 3 o'clock. Um, on your, your site, you, you touch on a lot of different issues. And my question is your opinion of how Trump is doing in these trade wars he's got going on right now. He's re-implemented the sanctions as of midnight on Iran. Uh, he has gotten uh, the EU to back down. He's got China going back and forth in a little bit of a tug of war as well as North Korea. What's your opinion on what he is doing with these trade wars? The trade wars, here's the problem with our government. These people that are constantly criticizing him are politicians that have ruined our country. He's a non-politician. He's a businessman. Leave him alone. He knows what he's doing. He's come through. He has put uh, North Korea at the negotiating table. Everybody was laughing at him when he first even introduced that idea. He, the, the, the sanctions for Iran, he doesn't play. He prepares. He knows exactly what he's doing. As a matter of fact, I wish I had his kind of stamina where he works over probably 20 hours a day. But he knows business and he knows these trade wars are going to work. Our, our, our Republican congressmen and senators need to be quiet. Allow him to do his thing. He's already proven himself. Get out of his way and help him. They ought to be saying, Mr. President, how can I help you? Because this is working. This, this, with China, he's already got them backing down. Everybody on the other side, on all the networks, have said, oh, he's destroying our nation. What's happening? China is now talking. What's happening with, with Iran? Look at the, the consequences. They, by the way, how, how many of our naval ships have been harassed since, since he has taken our presidency? None. How many, how, Iran was, even took some of our Navy SEALs hostage the most embarrassing situation that can happen with this second-to-none Navy that we have in the region. And, and little Iran is har harassing our boats. They won't come very close to our ships because I know what the order is. Defend yourself. So this trade war, I say Congress, senators, politicians, pundits, get out of the way, be quiet, and allow him to do his job. And support him. It may look ugly. It may look like a challenge. But because our politicians don't know how to run a country, but he does in a, a, one large business, he knows how far he can go. He knows his next move. He's already set up. 
So don't don't second guess him, because you're, all the second guessing in the world has done no good. To, and now we are multi trillions in, in in debt. Our uh, our trade deficit is horrible. Leave him alone. Support him and help him, and we will do fine. Absolutely wonderful. Now, when you get to Congress, um, there's certain agencies that we prefer to see defunded or at least sent back to the states. Which agencies would you target that you would say the federal government has no business handling? Oh, <laughs> thank you for throwing me that one. Uh, no. First of all, Department of Education. We should give the money to the states and let them run schools. Ever since the Department of Education has come on the scene, and that to me was a socialist move, consolidating our education so they can control our children. There, Bill Bennett years ago wrote a book, The, the Dumbing of America. And he was exactly right. He could see it coming. We need to get rid of the Department of Education. The, the, our children can't even write longhand anymore. Our children can't do basic math. It's more important in school to, to um, know how to formula, how to, how to come to the con- conclusion or come to the answer than the answer. The, I know of a child that was in school that had the correct answer for a math problem, but because it was not done in the sequence the school wanted, uh, it was marked incorrect. Now, who cares how you come about that solution? A carpenter doesn't need to know all the ins and outs. He needs to know how to do the basic math, and that's another thing in schools. We need to have shop classes like we used to have. We need to have automotive training and carpentry and masonry and other classes to help our children learn. They're coming out of school, and they're destined for failure. So the Department of Education is number one. IRS, I believe in a flat tax, and I don't know what it is, 15 17%. Get rid of IRS. When you go to the store and buy something, your tax is there. They send it into the government. It's done. You don't even need to file a tax. I mean, that's just that's a very simplistic way of looking at a problem, but the IRS uh, and, and other agencies, uh, that, that ne- there are several more. The, the, because of time, I won't try to get into them. But, but there are several agencies. And guess what? Our government was never, ever intended to be as big as it is. It is now a giant monster, and it is taking everyone's effort to feed it and keep it going. Well, what if we reverted back to the original intent of government and let the states run their thing? You know, national defense, interstate trans- commerce, those kind of things is what the, the government should be involved in. And I am totally disgusted with, with Congress itself, the amount of time they take off, and the salaries that are so uh, out of control, and, and the budgets for, uh, you know, and taking these trips and calling it uh, investigation or exploring trips, and they're nothing but vacations. We need a government that's responsive and answerable to the American people. Amen. Wow. Annie, you sure know how to find the uh, million-dollar candidates. That was beautiful, (laughs) sir. Oh, thank you so much. Annie, we had a candidate for him. These are the people that uh, I normally run against. 86% of the people at the forum said taxes were too low. 
That's what they oh. taxes are too low. <laughs> that's because, oh, and that's all because of the the idea that big government will run things. By the way, a lot of these programs can go away if we just let churches back in. In, in towns helping their own people. That's what that used to be. We used to, the church was the center of the community where people came in, and when they needed help, the people in town helped one another. People in town don't know each other anymore because it's the government that's taken over and doing everything. And that is all that socialism and communism that has been, that's been worming its way into our, into our lives, and we didn't even realize it. Well, your your website is your last name, Gressman, uh, two N's at the end, G-R-E-S-S-M-A-N-N for Congress.com. Um, I have it up on the show page, and a lot of people listen to the podcast afterwards. I get more people listening to the podcast uh, in the archives than listening live, so they can listen to it, click on the link, go directly to your website, and make a donation. Well, I appreciate it, but, but be honest, I don't like... Uh, I don't. I prefer not to have donations on my website. I would prefer people just send me a check. There's a percentage that goes to these companies that uh, take the money, and I, I, I'm just not comfortable. But I don't have any other source. But if people want to send a check, I would appreciate it. P.O. Box 1717, uh, Estill, South Carolina, 29918. I would appreciate it that way Be- just because they take so much money from uh, from you know the processing fees, and that was PO Box one seven one seven, Estill, South Carolina two nine nine one eight. All right, I'm going to put that up on the show page later on, uh, so people can see it. And uh, do you have that address up on your website too? Uh, I believe I do. I'll go double check and make sure it's there. Uh, I know I have a donate button, but I don't really care for it. Thank, thank goodness that only one person's ever used it. <laughs> Everything else has come by check. <laughs> I'm working with well, Gerhard, a very small Gerhard. budget. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, Gerhard, good luck, and we'll be speaking with each other, and I look forward to seeing you again in about two weeks. So take care. Gerhard Gressman, check it out, GressmanforCongress.com. Oh, thank man, you, Anne. Absolutely awesome guest. We got our next uh, uh, victim up in on the line, uh, so let's welcome back uh, Dr. Herb London. Good afternoon, Dr. London. How are you today? Well, good afternoon to you. Oh, man, we just had a fantastic guest who's running against um, uh, Jim Clyburn, so we're gonna have to wish him a lot of luck on that one. That's a tough one. But race. anyway. Um, there is so much going on out there, and the world has gone nuts. I don't even know where to start. Holy moly. Have you ever seen such, you know, insanity? Oh, I have. I mean, not that I've observed it, but in 1868, the world came to a, a kind of strange moment where there was a confluence of very, very different factors, all leading to a breakdown in government and a breakdown in civil society. Uh, so this is not unlike what we're experiencing at the moment. Yeah, I've never seen, honestly, I, I've, I've seen a lot, and I, I've lived through the civil rights riots of the 60s and 70s and the forced busing. I've seen a lot of the anti-war demonstrations with Vietnam. 
but I have never seen such uncivility that that have ever existed. Never. I, you, having someone go out after members of Trump's administration or congressmen having threats made against them and their families directly, riding outside of the uh, individuals' homes because they have a policy you don't agree with, I, I've never seen this. Absolutely inexcusable. And uh, it, it's a demonstration of what has happened to the left in America. The left is now uh, virtually out of control and believes that it can engage in any kind of activity as long as it undermines the Trump administration. But the, the hatred that you see, you know, people wearing Make America Great hats or T-shirts are being physically assaulted because they dared to go into public. And yet they say, well, it's racist because you're wearing something that says Make America Great Again. I don't see how that could possibly be racist. Trump has helped more minorities as a private individual and as president, but yet the leftist media will not report it. Well, they don't report it. They don't report on the number of youthful 25-year-olds, below 25-year-old black uh, youths who are now finding employment. It's the lowest rate in the United States' history. Uh, they're not reporting on the Hispanic rate, which has dropped dramatically. Uh, we are talking about an America that is actually doing quite well economically. And as a result of the tax reform bill, there are many Americans who are coming home with a paycheck larger than they what they had in the past. So, I mean, on the basis of pure objective examination, it would appear as though the Trump administration is doing right reasonably well. But again, he won't get credit for anything. And the press, I mean, there's no, no question that the press has its own bias. But the issue here is more than simply bias. It's kind of in, indifference and it's anger and it's rage against the Trump administration. Andy, can I ask a question? All right. This is a guest calling, a former co-host of mine. I think you've been on the show with us when Cool Mike was co-hosting with me at the time. So go ahead, Cool Mike. Uh, Thank you, Andy. I didn't mean to interrupt, Andy. I apologize. Uh, Two questions. Number one is, uh, do you see the outrage of the media because Trump uh, seems to be making them very, very irrelevant, whereas uh, they're just not having – you know, they have to cater to their own indoctrinated now. It just seems like uh, the media is becoming less and less prevalent. And also, uh, all these groups within the Democratic Party, um, I, I mean, do you see the uh, kind of an internal war among, you know, not just the Bernie people, but obviously there's a huge communist movement now within the party. There's the Antifa groups, and then there's the establishment Repo- or Democrats who, are basically, uh, you know, the establishment, uh, I don't want to say moderate because they don't find them, but uh, basically the people who traditionally control the party. Um, do you think there's like a internal war going on? Um, it seems like they're more divided than the conservative Republicans in the establishment. Well, there is a schism within the Democratic Party, but it's true of both parties. Uh, the Republican Party is facing its own difficulties, internal difficulties as well. We're looking at party structures that, may not be able to succeed in the future. We're talking about a very different kind of America that is emerging. A lot of it has to do with the extremism that you're seeing on the left. But there is no doubt that Americans have become disillusioned with politics generally. And one manifestation of that is, of course, this uh, anger towards political parties. That's an interesting observation. But I'm wondering, uh, because Mike had touched on something, because I think with the movement of social media 
and Trump tweeting out there and shows like mine, podcasts, people are turning more towards them than to mainstream media, I think. And maybe that's why they're so angry because they're losing. And CNN is at its lowest viewer levels since it's formed. Oh, I think that we've entered an entirely new age of communication. And it's not going to be through print media. And it's probably not through TV. And I'm have, I have my reservations about this tweeting business in large part because there's only so much you can say in a tweet. Nonetheless, people want shorthand. They want to have the three-minute meal. They want to have uh, the, the, the three-minute relaxation. Everything has to be done in shorthand. And that is now true in the way we, we engage in political discussion as well. I think it's unfortunate because I don't know how you spell out America's policy towards Russia in three minutes. I don't know how three minutes or 120 uh, characters. I don't know how you do that. And, uh, again, when you try, you're very often a foolish. Again, the, the president, I think, has managed to find a gift with this Trump, uh, with, uh, excuse me, with, with Twitter, 40 million people taking him on. But, nonetheless, I think it's a very, very difficult way to communicate. Your your phone is fading in and out. I don't know if you're walking around with it or what, but you started fading in and out there. I'm sorry. Is this better? <laughs> That's a lot better. Yes, it is. Um, we had asked our previous guest about this, but Trump and the trade wars. Do you think he's going to succeed in um, with these bilateral treaties compared to having NAFTA and CAFTA and whatever the other alphabet soups were out there? Do you think he's on the right path? Look, uh, one of the things, there are two considerations here. One, obviously, the president has his own notion about the way to influence foreign trade. The second is the politics that is coming up in 2018. We've got an election coming up. The president wants to make it perfectly clear. He's lived up to his obligation of creating more than 300,000 jobs in the Rust Belt, and he's done so, and he's done so with higher tariffs. So, again, the president is kind of caught. He's caught between, one, a pledge that he's made for the Midwestern states, and two, he is dealing with uh, nations that obviously want to uh, see the United States act in a different manner. But, you know, the president has a curious way of dealing with this uh, tariff issue. He'll take two steps forward, one step back. He'll say something very bold and maybe even unrealistic, and then he takes a step back. And so, uh, again, it's not entirely clear where the president stands on many of these matters. Aluminum and iron, for example. Is he backing off on that? Is he backing off on the, uh, the tariffs with the Europeans? It, it would appear so, based on recent accounts. So, uh, again, it's very, very difficult to know how this all shakes out. I, I compare his policies to when you make spaghetti – when you throw it against the wall, what sticks stays. What doesn't, hey, it's not done yet. So he way of negotiating where you never know exactly where he stands. So you're going to have to say whether or not is he telling me the truth or is he just threatening me. Uh, it's an unusual per, uh, 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 way of doing things. But then again, he's not a politician. So why well, would we expect him to behave like that one? Maybe one of the. That may be one of the strengths that President Trump has. By not being a politician and acting in a manner very different from Paul's, he has found a base within the United States public. And again, I wouldn't overlook that. No. But now the question is, because they said a lot of times they were saying that he was a puppet of Putin. 
But is he actually manipulating Putin? Look, first of all, he's not a puppet of Putin. So I think that's just silly rhetoric. Uh, the United States has its own interests. Russia has its own interests. We should look at areas where there's possibly, possibly areas of cooperation between the two nations. But by and large, it's very difficult to do so after Crimea and the events in Syria. Are very, very difficult indeed. So, you know, when you say uh, he's, he's being manipulated, I mean, it's ridiculous. Manipulates as much as he is being manipulated. And Putin is being manipulated as much as he manipulates. So, again, uh, it's very difficult to say what the relationship really is. But as I indicated to you before, each one of these nations has its own interests. Those interests may jibe, and they may not. When they do, then it seems to me that it's worth exploring. Now, uh, when it comes up to these trade deals that he's doing, and my own uh, representative had sponsored this legislation to take away from the executive office the ability to put out tariffs. Now, they gave it to him the president back in 1964 and now he's got legislation out there to remove that power from the executive office and bring it back to the Congress, which is what the constitution originally had. What is your input on this? And do you think that legislation has any ability to pass or should it? I don't think so. I mean, look, the president of the United States has the ability to determine American foreign policy. That foreign policy again has many ways of being uh, examined. And one of those ways is, of course, through tariffs. Tariffs are a way way of thinking about American policy. So, again, the president, as commander-in-chief, has a responsibility to think through these ideas. I don't think this is a congressional matter at all. Well, Mark Sanford seems to think, and he wants to take the power uh, back to uh, Congress and make it almost impossible to impose any tariffs, because Congress can't even agree on a budget, much less whether or not we should place a tariff on there. Everyone has their own self-interest for their state and their constituents, and, of course, for their pockets, as we see with Diane Feinstein and Maxine Waters, <laughs> instant millionaires by getting elected. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, of all things, Diane Feinstein has a driver for 20 years, we find out, is a spy for China. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> It is. It, can it get any more insane? Well, it really cannot get any more insane. And then Diane Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi and um, Chuck Schumer, I mean, represent a kind of strange politics within the Democratic Party that's up one day, down the next, uh, clearly hypocritical. And so it's very difficult to know where any of them stand. It does. It absolutely does. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going through all my questions with you because I know that you're only <laughs> with us for a short time. <laughs> um, uh, I have a, another I have thing a I question. Ask. Go ahead, Curtis. Yeah, today is a big primary day, as we all know, especially oh, thank um, you. This, the special election in um, Ohio. The outcome, they're going to make a big deal out of it if Trump loses, you know, um, as far as, you know, the winner or loser, you know, riding on his coattails. Is that a strategy that you think on the left is going to um, grant them this, this blue wave? Look, one of the things you have to understand, these are local elections. It's very difficult to know 
what will happen in a local election. We are talking about a national phenomenon on whether the Republicans can maintain control of the House and the Senate. Uh, my feeling about this is that uh, Trump's victory or loss in Ohio is not a, is such a consequence that it would change the character of those people who are supporting Trump across the country. So, again, it's important, but not as important as the press would have you believe. And Go ahead, Curtis. Well, that answers my question. Um, I know they like to blow these things out of proportion when uh, it looks like it's going to be defeat for Donald Trump in any way they can, can tie him to these um, primaries. Um, and, and surely if, you know, the candidate that he supports wins, they're going to downplay it and its significance in the uh, midterms, upcoming midterms. They always and do if, that. And if the Trump candidate does win, it's a ho-hum affair. No one's going to care. It's only if the Trump candidate loses. Well, they had that with the election in Alabama. Uh, exactly. Where, um, Judge Moore, yeah. And it was like, oh, it's not, there's a blue wave coming. No, it's a red tide rising. And I've been using the hashtag red tide rising when I post stuff. Uh, but I think it will be. 2018 has the Republican base, I think, very, very invigorated. It's going to be a whole big thing. Uh, I think we're going to need more crying blankets after November 6th, like when Trump was elected. People are going to be needing their coloring books and their you know, comfort toys, <laughs> their yo-yos, whatever it is. Okay, uh, moving along. Um, I wanted to I, ask I you question, about. Are we going to? Um, I, I've got to leave in just a few minutes, so please ask your last question. Go ahead, Annie. All right, I was, I was going to ask you. Uh, there have been articles of impeachment put up for Rod Rosenstein, and I don't see anything happening prior to November sixth. Do you see anything moving forward with this? Because things are coming no, out, especially no, affecting no, his no, wife. No. You don't think no, I mean, look, I, I so, it, it, again, uh, they've kind of blown things, small things out of proportion. My feeling is that it was not a wise decision on the part of the Republican Party to try and get him uh, out of office. We'll see how the process unfolds. And I think he's embarrassed himself in a variety of ways. That will come out during the hearings. It wasn't necessary to go as far as the Republicans wanted to. Well, Dr. Herb London, I want to thank you for joining us. Your website, people can find you at londoncenter.org. And you cover your website, the organization that you uh, direct, does so many wonderful things and policies that you guys work on. And thank you, sir, for the hard work you do. Well, thank you. All the best to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Dr. And, Herb and London. Two two. Holy cow. Those were two amazing oh. guests. I mean, you have the underdog, uh, Gerhardt, and then you had this guy, obviously, who's who's just a seasoned veteran. Dang. <laughs> well, we've, we've got some free time to do some freewheeling around here. Um, and I'm looking for, oh, my goodness. It's primary in Michigan today, and this is a big day for our movement because it seems like in almost every race there is the establishment and then there is the uh, Liberties Movement candidate. So it's pretty big. And uh, the gubernatorial race is really huge. 
because you have a lot of these companies that have a monopoly based on state policy really pumping money into these candidates uh, that are the establishment ones. But the commercials, these commercials are so put together, John Doe is a great conservative. Jane Doe is liberties. It's just like, wait a minute, these guys are crooks. But uh, it's a huge, <laughs> this is going to be big. I mean, this is, uh, this is where Michigan will shift. And I believe if the, uh, if the uh, good side wins tonight, we stand a chance at uh, doing well in the fall. I think if we don't, um, it's lights out. If they go with establishment, I think the GOP will You'll be pretty much swept out of office. I think you're right, Mike. <laughs> well, the, the, hey, one Mike. of the things we have to remember is that uh, a lot of the the top 12 of the Democratic Party and the top 12 of the GOP are the same. There's a D and an R, but it really should be a dollar sign. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Curtis. No, I was going to ask you what questions did you have for Dr. London just before you left? You didn't get a chance well, to ask. He, he obviously is very smart. He obviously uh, is kind of, um, he thinks inside the box and outside the box. I wanted to ask him, I don't know if you guys were happened to see, is it Jim Acosta, the CNN guy who's just having a coronary over Trump saying he's uh, the en- that the news is the enemy, um, or oh yes, yeah, Jim Acosta, yeah, that's yeah. when uh, well, that last rally Sarah. that he, Jim Acosta yeah, was there and they were going CNN sucks. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, well, <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, well, anyway, um, when they came when Trump came here, they were asking him, uh, they were harassing him to no end. And the one guy said, well, why, didn't, why did you shut the camera off? I wanted to get on TV. Is it because I'm gay? And they were just harassing him to no end, so he finally moved. But my point being, uh, Curtis, the question I was going to ask him, Jim Acosta went after Sarah Sanders in the, in the, asking him, uh, do you want to say that the media is not uh, the enemy? And she said, well, you've gone after me a lot, blah, blah, blah. Most of it's been false. Well, he stormed out of there. Um, you know, and I, I guess my question is, it really seems like well, slowly but surely they're suffocating. Now, he, we asked a couple questions, traditionally what we ask, and he brought some different dynamics in his answer that uh, maybe I hadn't thought of. So I wanted to ask him if he thinks that uh, kind of the, the, the way the media is going with a Trump victory if they're on life support. Um, because, I mean, if we have a big victory in November – if it's a Trump red wave, um, then the media is going to have a really hard time trying to destroy, um, you know, the, trying to destroy him in the fall of 2020. That's so, true. Uh, Sasquatch just put up in the uh, chat room a link uh, from the Clarion Project where I mentioned, uh, Mike, that if uh, Michigan doesn't have a red tide, you'll have a Muslim <laughs> governor. Uh, he put in an article up there in the Michigan cabinet for candidate for governor linked to the nation of Islam. And uh, people have to be, 
I mean, we're being told one thing and seeing something else occur. I wanted to mention that the last 15 minutes of the show, we're going to have a surprise guest, uh, someone that you would think I would never bring onto the show, but he right now is on his own radio show, and he'll be joining us a little bit later. Um, I have brought a whole bunch of different items here, and I don't know, I, I didn't see this posted anywhere. Uh, and I, I pulled it up and said to my husband yesterday, how come I don't even see Fox News reporting this? But I found out later on that they did. Did you hear about what was going on in New Mexico about this compound where they found 11 children starving? So much so that their ribs were showing. You would have thought there were people coming out of a Holocaust concentration camp. They were that bad. Uh, and it had two men in there and three women. The women were believed to be the mothers of these children. But all they had was one potato and a bag of rice. There was no fresh water, nothing. And the only reason why they found out these children were in there is that someone got a message to a third party saying, help, starving, need food and water. Uh, and the story goes is that it all started, came to the public, uh, uh, to the um, attention of the FBI and law enforcement is that a mother in Georgia here, um, had reported her son missing. She's obviously separated from the father. The father took the boy, supposedly three, three years old at the time, to the park and never came back. And the next thing you know, when she reported the missing, found out that he crossed over the Georgia line. He was in Alabama or something like that and had hitched a ride with someone heading towards New Mexico. He had the boy with him at the time. So the FBI has been staking out this compound in New Mexico for two months, looking for any signs of the boy and the father. And the FBI refused to go in because they said they didn't have probable cause for a warrant. Well, when this note surfaced, the sheriff that was working with the FBI said, screw it. These kids are, are, are in danger. We're going in. So he put together a tactical team, knowing full well that the two men had AK-4, AR-15s and other firearms, uh, they found a whole mess of different firearms. It was a Muslim training camp, a 10-acre Islamic extremist training camp, and they wow. raided it. Unfortunately, not a shot was fired. They got the father. We don't know where the boy is, and this does not look good because the boy at birth had lack of oxygen, so he's disabled. He cannot walk. He is now four years old. Yesterday was his fourth birthday, but there was no sign of the boy, and no one would say where the boy went. So it, it, I'm praying that the boy is going to be found safe, but it doesn't look good if these other kids were treated this way. And no one is talking about it. If you pull up from Fox News, it says, Moms arrested after 11 children found in filthy New Mexico compound with armed Muslim extremists, cops say. That's the title of the article on Fox News. The Albuquerque Journal also has it up in there, um, saying the father of the missing boy arrested at the makeshift compound in northern New Mexico. Well, while I was watching, I think it was Tucker Carlson last night, they had someone on there from the Clarion Project, and he was discussing this, and he said, these compounds have been built by Muslim extremists throughout all of the United States since the 1980s. These terrorist compounds exist in just about every state as I understand it. This is going to be a bigger, bigger story. But had the sheriff not gone in, this story would not be here, being out there right now. 
So this is this is something that no one's talking about, and I'm going to say wow. it here and see who else picks it up and talks about it. That yeah, I heard about the story. Right I never read it. It's pretty scary. Yeah, well, I, I know there's a Islamic training camp upstate New York, not too far where there's a large Hasidic community. How strange that Muslim extremists would set up camp next to a Hasidic community. Hasidic being a Jewish community, a conservative Jewish community. I know there's one up in the Spartanburg-Greenberg area here in South Carolina. I know there's one in Tennessee, there's several in Tennessee. There's up in North Carolina. You guarantee there's one in Florida because with the number of mosques they have there. So I, we're not talking about this, and this is something we should be concerned. These are not the people of the religion of peace. Some religion of peace, huh? Is that enough to scare no, you? It's, yeah. it's, as a matter of fact, the, um, the guy who was running for governor, and his name is Mohammed. They're calling him El Saeed, but his got a long Mohammed something whatever El Saeed uh, when the Republican candidate Patrick Colbeck who I'm supporting brings up his uh, that groups and ties to the Muslim Brotherhood you should see how this guy has a fit um, and you know the, his base is pretty much uh, they're pretty much young white kids who are grown up most are spoiled and uh, indoctrinated in this America is bad. We know how to do socialism right. Um, the Muslim fear is just the fear. Um, you know, just homophobic. Um, Imagine. You know, here's a question for you, Mike. We've got a huge push for these uh, red flag laws. It's another attempt to disarm us and circumvent the Second Amendment. I'm wondering how much is the Muslim Brotherhood, Muslim Brotherhood, CARE, uh, ISIS, whatever you want to call them, the Daesh, is behind this movement to disarm America. And think about the number of growing training compounds we have and then tie it in with the push to disarm lawful Americans. They don't want Any, anybody, like that. Well, anybody who's in favor of uh, violence and taking over is in favor of disarming because it makes their takeover easier. One of the one of the one of the stabilities that we still have, um, and I think it's really taking shape more than ever, is that with these groups, um, I think I believe Donald Trump, President Trump, and several other governors, I believe more and more people are are getting arms, more and more Americans, and. I think that's a huge fear um, that they're not just going to walk into a city and start shooting and take over. That uh, there was the fear in World War II where the, the emperor said there'll be an American with a gun behind every blade of grass. I think that's potentially possible. Um, Americans, individuals, you and I and other people, were becoming well-trained with arms, and we're not afraid to use them. But one thing we know Muslims are, uh, they, they got a lot of nerve uh, – but not really unless they're in large numbers. Um, they're, not really, uh, they're not really tough. This, this, um, this individual who's running for governor, he lived in New York two years ago. So you tell me. I mean, he lived in New York. He was a resident of New York City. Well, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> As if New York City never had a problem with Islam. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, when a gun is used um, for the good of the community, like Ken, I, I forget what city it was this past weekend, but there was uh, some kind of outing, um, and it was a lot of elementary school children at this outing, and some guys started shooting. Well, everybody started to scatter, but the one thing that they didn't expect was for one of the adults there to have a firearm. You know, he carried a legal firearm, and he pulled his gun out and shot the guy. But you don't hear that on the media. All you hear is like, well, this weekend in Chicago, we we had 71 shootings, 12 dead. That's all they push because that's an agenda that they support. But if one gun, you know, stops uh, a bad guy, you, you don't really hear about yeah. it. That that was down in Florida on Saturday, and that was up on Fox News last night on TV, and they did report it on Fox. But it was a local DJ and his family had put together uh, a fundraiser where they bought all these school supplies, you know, pencils, paper, backpacks, whatever the kids needed. And they had a, a huge barbecue, and all these kids, like about 100 kids, showed up with their parents and other uh, friends. And they were handing out the supplies as they enjoyed the barbecue. This guy at the barbecue got into a fistfight with someone else, left, and 12 minutes later returned with a hair, handgun and started firing into the crowd with the kids there. Kids, little toddlers, you know, infants also, and just started shooting. Luckily, no one was hit. But a guy with a legal firearm, a legal permit holder, happened to have been armed. And as soon as the first guy, the bad guy started shooting, he shot him. And last I heard, he was airlifted with life-threatening injuries. Um, I'm not going to say what my wish is on that one, because uh, the Lord may, is listening to my thoughts. Um, but uh, the, the good guy with the gun prevented a tragedy from happening, and that did not get reported in the mainstream media. I saw that, Curtis. But God bless the good guy, because the cops said he did the right thing. He's not going to be prosecuted. So the only way to fight a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. That's right. Annie, do you think God doesn't know? You said I'm not going to say because God doesn't. God's listening. You think he doesn't know what your thoughts are? Uh, Anybody who listens to your show knows what you're thinking. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Please, Lord, forgive me. One of the things, one of the things that we know these terrorists understand is greater violence. Um. People in general, even it doesn't matter who you are, is that sometimes that's the only thing you understand. But we have seen throughout history when we have really been relentless and ruthless, um, whether it's World War II and dropping the bomb or in other different combative situations, um, this is what you have. That's why you have all these shootings in gun-free zones because people are thinking nobody's got a gun but me. Exactly. If you, the more you implement, you know, these gun laws, the more the bad guys will have the guns, and we won't. But Warp makes a point because there's an estimated 900 million guns in America, and to try to confiscate them all, you say it would take approximately 100 years to round up. Uh, well, you know, government has a way of doing things, but you can't round up all of them because the bad guys will always have them. Uh, but Islam has never met a country like ours with the, the independence, uh, independent-minded individuals like ourselves here that listen to the show. So <laughs> we've said this before, and I think you said it once before too, Mike, uh, that uh, 
that anything ever happens is going to be cowboys and Muslims. No longer cowboy and Indians. The Indians will side with us. But Cool Mike just dropped off. Um, so we're waiting for our next guest to call in in about uh, uh, 14 minutes. But Mike is back. About 10 minutes. Yeah. Our next guest will be calling back. But it's it's uh, it's going to be. You're not going to let us know who the surprise guest is, Annie. No. Then it wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, would, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this is something else that didn't get uh, talked about on the news. Very quietly, though, Fox News did pick it up, though. We have a new ICE director, and this time he nominated Ronald Vitillo, a nice Italian boy, Ronald Vitillo, uh, to lead uh, the Immigration Customs Enforcement. And I like, I like this guy. Uh, this guy came up from the ranks. He's been with the Border Patrol since 1985 and comes with a long list of credentials, including multiple leadership roles within the law enforcement agency. So let's see Congress try to not not approve his uh, nomination. Oh, they'll try. Did I lose everyone? <laughs> Believe you me. No, I was they just, will try. You know, it, it, I honestly believe Trump could nominate um, Nancy Pelosi for something. And because it came from Trump, they wouldn't support him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if that was a good analogy. They want to get rid of her, too. <laughs> They don't want to. <laughs> uh, but I wish, I wish Maxine Fortas would go. Yeah, one of the Every things, time. one of the things uh, uh, throughout history, um, you know, we are a great country, we are exceptional, but we do have an awful lot of stupid people, and it's very easy to fool people. So if uh, you move into a house next door with a husband and wife, um, there's this thought. Well, they're a nice Muslim couple. Uh, you know, they're, 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 it's very easy to infiltrate in the various ways that they do this. Um, all you got to do is move into a very liberal community. Going back to uh, that movie, The Bridge of Spies, the Russians uh, infiltrated through the arts and music industry. Uh, wherever that was, they got close to people who are in the music and the drama, the liberals. And basically, uh, that's how they operate. Um, so, I mean, it is, it is easy to, to begin planting your roots in your cell. The, the question is, when you get bigger, um, then you expose yourself a little bit more. Um, you know, if you plan a big jihad. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. Um Along that way of jihad, it looks like um, relatives of Osama bin Laden, the al-Qaeda leader, um, who is now dead, is that his son Hamza wants to avenge his father. He's reportedly left Pakistan and has gone to Afghanistan to avenge his father. He is looking to plan attacks similar to what his father did. So it's funny that it's these... Uh, training camps are now coming to light at this time uh, with Hamza showing up. Bin Laden's family believes his youngest son has followed his father's footsteps uh, where the U.S. He's looking to attack starting where the U.S., Afghan National Army and NATO have been locked in a brutal war. Um, 
he's officially designated as a terrorist by the U.S. and apparently took his family by surprise with the endorsement of militant Islam. So it's very well, – I, I think the timing is very interesting. Yeah. Well, I hope in, in his endeavors he gets to meet a Navy SEAL just like his father. Oh, yeah. Two shots between oh, yeah. the eye. But it's really, as we are finding out about these training camps here in the United States, what better time to call them into action with Obama bin Laden's heir, his youngest son, Hamza, coming to the forefront now, saying, hey, listen, you followed my father, now follow me, and attack the great Satan. I think that's the importance now of, well, and that's the importance of now being proactive. If there's anything George Bush did that was decent, there's a war on terror, which means we're not waiting around uh, to get struck. We're taking the fight to them, and that is important. I think that's another reason why the international cartels, if you will, in countries, Merkel, Trudeau, all the the other uh, fascists that bow down to Hitler, um, those types, They fear someone like Trump who would not hesitate to wipe these camps or just basically take a city right off the map if they're a threat. And uh, I just wanted to kind of draw a conclusion to this. When Trump told them in the EU, you know, the hell with everything. We're out of here. We're pulling our troops. Look how quickly all of them ran to Trump begging, and that guy came to the United States two weeks ago, pretty much caving on everything because they know Putin's at their back door. So when it really comes down to it, they realize without the United States, they're weak and this globe is still filled with dictators. I mean, you think he came here and kept saying, yes, we should put more money in there. You're 100% right, Mr. President. Um, We're wrong. Um, You think they did that because they like Trump? They did it for fear that uh, uh, Putin would annex all those countries overnight. Well, we've got to remember what Putin did the last couple of years in the winter where he cut off gas. We cut off the oil and gas. Remember that? And how many people died because of that? Was that so, in Germany? You know, that happened in Poland, Germany. Um, we had with the, uh, France. France had the air conditioning that broke down. But I believe it was Germany and Poland were hit the hardest. Uh, Czechoslovakia. Um, yeah. And they're afraid because they're relying on Russia for the majority of its oil. And we have, we have an abundance of it here, so why should we import it? Let's export what we have. Let's go after the drilling, produce more. What we need to, to produce also is to create, actually build, our refineries. We haven't built a new refinery since the 1970s. If anything, they've shut them, most of them down. So we have to ship our oil out of the country to be refined. We should be doing it here. So we have Absolutely. to be well, you know, self-sufficient and energy energy independent. You know, I think that um, this will get done sometime during the end of this pres- presidential term or the beginning of um, Trump's second term, because I believe he will win again. But, you know, he's accomplished a lot in a year and a half. And I have no doubt if we give him eight years, 
that'll be one of the things you know put back you know in the spotlight building new um, energy plants and maybe perhaps nuclear plants well we have the problem here where they tried to build the two nuclear plants here uh, and they went belly up uh, because they went way above cost we are still paying for it they're trying to make us pay through the nose uh, they promised to have them built and they're not even halfway built. They they backed out of it. The um, executive staff of the uh, two electrical companies got bonuses because they went belly up. They went bankrupt on building these two nuclear plants, but they took our money from us and gave us nothing in return. So I don't know how nuclear is going to go in the country unless they can bring down the cost of creating these these plants. Overall, well, uh, I, think, is asking, I was going to say, Warp is asking in the chat room if it's true that there are only five oil refineries in operation. It sounds like a write about the correct number, but I can't swear by it. If someone can Google it and find out, but I know it's just a handful that are left. And uh, I think the most. Andy, what is gas? Sure. What is the cost of gas in your city right now, outside your front door? Uh, per gallon. Right now, two forty. Two forty nine. Two forty nine. How about you, Curtis? Two seventy one. Okay, two seventy one. But I will say this much: um, on my tra- in my travels recently, I was able to get gas. The cheapest I got was um, two forty nine somewhere in South Carolina, and up in Philadelphia, it was like three oh five, three fifteen. Yeah, and it's it's about that here, and. Part of the reason is because just, well, I don't know really why, but I go by what we're being told, and that is that uh, refineries, and there's uh, there's no refineries nearby, or one gets shut down, so blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, in general, if gas outside your front door is basically, for argument's sake, 245, 250, I mean, there's a huge, I mean, it's 50... Uh, it's fifty nine cents more here. Mike, yeah. we we've got our our last guest in, and we've got down to our last fourteen minutes on the show. All right. And I saw I've seen this gentleman many many times up on Fox News, and sometimes I yell at the TV when he's on there. And last night I had to say, I agreed with him one hundred percent, and I want to thank him for having the opinion he had. So I want to welcome on, uh, fellow radio host Ethan. Uh, Barriman. Good afternoon, Ethan. How are you today? I am wonderful, Annie. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's great to talk with you. Yeah, last night, I'm trying to remember, you were on Tucker Carlson, right? Correct, last night? Yep, yep. I'm frequently okay. on with Tucker, and last night, Brian Kilmeade was in for Tucker, and so we talked about my appearance from Friday night on Tucker Carlson, where Tucker and I had discussed and debated, as we do, um, the Sarah Jong controversy with the New York Times and her tweets. And what I had done is I had put up a little clip, as I do for my appearances, on my Instagram page, just a little, you know, like 30 or 40 second clip from my Tucker Carlson appearance, where all we did was discuss this controversy, and Instagram flagged it as a violation of their terms of service and took the post down. And I woke up yesterday morning and I saw that it had been taken down and that seemed utterly preposterous to me that um, civil discourse between two adults on a 
you know, in a, in a main and a mainstream media outlet is something that violates the terms of service for a company like Instagram. Well, don't feel bad. I've been shadow banned on several different places. Reddit was one of them. Um, I had Judge Janine Pirro on the show one week ago, and I went to put the ad up on Facebook uh, to promote the show. And I've been doing this for eight years now. <laughs> Believe it or not, this month is a total of my eighth anniversary. And they turned around and told me I violated the terms of service because it's political. But hello, for eight years, I've never disguised the fact that it's a political talk show. So join the crowd. It's very important. So my background, actually, before getting into media is technology as well. And it's, it's what's, what's disconcerting right now in particular, and it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you're on, when we are at a place where we cannot disagree with somebody. It, I think it's one thing when, when we know that somebody is outright lying, for example, and presenting it as the truth. I think that there is maybe a place, you know, I mean, we could get into an argument over uh, some of the things that Alex Jones has done, for example, but simply having a political opinion is not something that should be a viol and it's not a violation, by the way, of the terms of service of these platforms. Simply you having a conservative view, me having a more liberal view, that's not a violation of the terms of service. Saying something that is inciting somebody to violence, I get messages that are exceptionally violent in my direction. Clearly those violate the company's terms of service, and these are private companies that have laid forth a set of rules for using their, their private system. It's not the government shutting us down, but when a private institution, a very large one that has become a, a form of a public forum, um, is not clear in what they determined to be a violation, or in my case, what happened was somebody reported it because they didn't like it, whether they didn't like Tucker or they didn't like me, so I don't know if it's somebody on the left or the right, um, reported it, and their system is set up that it automatically takes it down, and there was no way for me to appeal that decision, right? To say, hey, wait, there's nothing wrong here. It took Fox News to call them for them to actually review and go, yeah, of course there's nothing wrong with this post, and they reinstated it. That's a very dangerous place in terms of discourse and us to be able to have a conversation. And I was just talking about, actually, on my radio show, we're now finding that uh, an Ipsos poll came out that um, uh, uh, too many, in my mind, it's around a third of Americans now deem the First Amendment something, uh, whether it's, you're talking about the media, whether you're talking about people you disagree with what they have to say, that we want the government or the president to be able to shut people down because we don't agree with them. And that is utterly mind-boggling to me. That is how we get stronger in our own opinions, is to be able to disagree with somebody and explain our position with facts and with information and not just, you know, a belief behind it. I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not talking about religious talk radio. We're talking about political talk radio, right? We're, we need to have some information more than just beliefs. Man, John if he talks this way all the time. Present... Oh, go ahead, Andy. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, did... Didn't John Adams try that when he was president with the subversive uh, laws that he put in place and actually did uh, jail some uh, journalists? It didn't work then, and it's not going to work now. But you're right. We're, not, we're unable to have a conversation. Here you are, a liberal. Here I am, a conservative. We can talk politely. We can agree to disagree. But there is no reason why you have to say you've got to shut up and it's my way or the highway. That's, that's not right. That is just not morally right. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and by the way, and we've tried, you bring up, you bring up President Adams, um, you know, things like the Sedition Act, and they get uh, found unconstitutional when you start controlling people speaking against the government, for example. You can't, you know, the Sedition Act of 1918, the disloyal, profane, scurrilous, or abusive behavior about the government, its flag, or whatever, that's found to be unconstitutional. We, we have, there's a reason the First Amendment is the First Amendment, that allows free speech and the government not to abridge it in any form and the free press thereof. So even if you don't like CNN or you don't like Fox News or you don't like whatever, as long as it's journalists and they're not inciting violence, again, there are there are limits on free speech when it comes to things like violence and whatnot. We have to be able to have this. This, this is one of the great things about our country is the, by the way, the right for us to disagree without pulling guns on one another. You know what I mean? It's We don't do duels over that kind of stuff or cane each other on the floor of the the House or the Senate, we, we debate and we discuss, and that's how we come to a stronger conclusion that potentially makes us better in the end. I, I'm a big fan of that. You know, people don't realize that when we started off as a nation, there were politicians that had to run for their lives because they were being tarred and feathered. They were being beaten because they were, they were speaking out. Over time, that stopped. But now it's as if it's back again. You have recently, just the other day, Charlie Kirk and uh, Candace Owens were in a restaurant and again were chased by a crowd and physically threatened. This time, thankfully, the police stepped in. But going physically after someone because they said something or they stand for something you disagree with, that is not the true heart of America. And the fact that you and I are having the conversation proves that. Yeah, I agree. And and on that note of, of, of Charlie Kirk and, and Candace Owens, I probably disagree with, I, I would wager 98% of what they say, but I was even on my show again, you know, I'm on in San Francisco and uh, UC Berkeley has become somewhat infamous recently for trying to shut down people the students have uh, and apparently some of the professors for shutting down people with whom they disagree. And, and I'm, I'm, I get in trouble with some of my friends on the left because I defend the right of somebody like a Ben Shapiro. Again, I probably disagree with him 90-plus percent of the time, but he has the right to speak, and if it's a public forum and if it's government-funded, then you can't shut down people who, just because you disagree with them. And, it's again, if you don't like what somebody has to say, you don't agree with their political opinion, you have a couple of choices. One, turn it off, turn your back, go pay attention to something else. Two, engage in debate. Actually have some information, have a thoughtful idea to counterpoint them on and engage in that and let people think about it and come to their own conclusions. You know, um, it's, again, terrible histories on both the left and the right of trying to control what people think. And what, what I'm a big proponent of in the way I was raised is let's get the information out there, let's get the arguments out there, and let's let people come to their own informed conclusions of what they want to think on a certain topic. And, and it, it is truly important that we continue to foster, you know, respectful debate. And, and I have people, of course, because I go on Fox News, a lot of friends on the left are like, how can you go on Fox News? I'm like, it's the most important place for me to go because I want to model how I can have a thoughtful debate with somebody using facts and information. And I get uh, actually fairly nice numbers of comments from Fox News viewers who are like, hey, I disagree with you, maybe even completely but at least you're having the conversation and you do it in a thoughtful and intelligent manner. And I think that that is important, especially in this time of great division in our country, that we continue to lead and demonstrate that we're able to do that. How did you ever well, get Ethan, so close I with Tucker? I completely agree with I mean, you. It seemed, oh, sorry, Annie. I, uh, I just, how did you, I mean, 
you get on with Tucker, and I mean, you seem to, uh, I, I mean, that's great. You like challenges, but it seems like you guys kind of have a bond. Um, and I like the fact that Tucker brings disagreeable person on. Even Hannity almost never does, um, with the exception of Lanny Davis when he's pushing one of his books. But I, I like the fact. How did you and Tucker kind of? Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if bond is the right word, but it just sure. seems like uh, you guys have a rapport. Yeah, we do. We do, and it's it's interesting. And I don't. I can't. You know, specify how exactly that happened. Um, I didn't know him, and they invited me on his show one time, the first time. And I think, you know, Tucker's uh, actually a very well-educated, exceptionally intelligent human being. And um, I, I think he just appreciated my approach. I don't get my feelings hurt. I don't. I mean, I just genuinely don't. I mean, I can, but that's only from people who are really close to me. Not, not, and again, in a political debate, my feelings don't get hurt because we disagree. And I know what I'm talking about. I, I, I know what the topics that I come on to talk about. I'm educated, and I think that there was a level of respect. I, I respect where he's coming from. Again, I, I vehemently disagree with him often, but he respects that I come on and have that conversation. And we just, you know, um, as radio hosts, you find some guests uh, that you just seem to establish a rapport with. He and I have done that. I, I think I've been on his show maybe 26 or 27 times now, somewhere in that number. And so we just established that rapport, and we've had a chance to get together and meet one another and and we maybe get along even better in person than we do on the air. It, it's just that just happens sometimes between people. There are other hosts I don't get along as well with, you know, and it doesn't flow as easily. And for whatever reason, we just have that on that human level, that ability to interact that way. Well, you said something very important. It's a human level. And the way our society has become, it's a disposable society. And people are so busy into their smart devices or electronics, whatever they're, they're doing, they no longer know how to interact one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, before everyone had a beeper or a cell phone or whatever it is then, people had to interact with each other. You had to get along. But now they're in this insular world. I've got 1,000 friends on Facebook, so I don't need to talk to you. Uh, those are just anonymous you know, screen names. That's not a personal inter, uh, interrelationship. Do that. And I can't tell you how many times you go to shake hands with someone, they can't even look you in the eye. And heaven forbid you go out there, and, and today I'm wearing a Don't Tread on Me t-shirt. If I went out, I, I go out in public and I get people to give me dirty looks. Personally, I don't care. I'll talk with you. I'll interact with you, but just don't swing at me. <laughs> but this is what we've lost, the art of civil discussion, and just neighborhood. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there, there is a lot to that. I mean, you, you just brought up a lot of different issues. One of the things I will say, though, is I'm, I'm super optimistic, right? The, the human being, the human spirit, um, whichever way you want to look at it, is exceptionally resilient. And many people who I have, I have young children, um, and while they have access to smart devices, we limit that. And we, you know, really work, and a lot of other parents I know really work with kids to make sure that they have those social skills and everything else. And, and, and I'll never forget, I'm a Gen Xer, and when I was a kid, you know, TV is going to make you stupid, TV is going to make it so you can't interact with other people. And, you know, there are always, you know, those who rise above things, and there, there are always parents who are more involved. And ultimately, that's the most important thing of all is, parental involvement, community involvement, and that's up to the individual. I never blame the tech companies for that. I don't blame the government for that. 
Um, I look to lead by example. I look to communities, be it churches, be it community organizations, public schools. Um, any number of those groups can lead on those ends to help teach our children how to be better, how to be more social, how to interact with others. There are groups, I know somebody who still runs a cotillion, for example, teaching kids how to do these things. And, and all of those are important, and that's why we have to have, a, I'm a big believer in choice and in various ways of approaching these different topics, but I am optimistic for the resiliency of the human spirit and the, and the, human, the human community and how we interact with one another because we are wired to interact with one another. And as long as we are out there encouraging it, we all have the ability and, and the capability to develop down that path and be better, and that's what I strive for every day. Well, Ethan, I extended the show a couple of minutes because you, you just got off the air with your show. Tell people how they can find you so they can hear the other sides so we know how better to debate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best way to find me, it's, it, regardless of platform, it's Ethan Behrman. And my last name is it's the word bear and man. So it's B-E-A-R-M-A-N. So it's EthanBehrman.com. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Ethan Behrman. And uh, just find me that way. And, and I, I don't always have time to respond to everybody, but I respond to people as best as I can. Well, thank, thank you, you for, for leading me uh, cause wow. on civil discussion. Yes. I, I, when I heard you last night, I said, I don't always agree with you, but I have to have you say what you said here so people can understand. Because I, I got where I got into a discussion with someone over, you know, uh, same-sex marriage, where my opinion is, is that we already have laws in place for that. It's called civil union. Anyone has to go to their local municipality and get a license. So deal with it on your state level, and your local level, because once government defines marriage, they define religion, and therefore they violate the First Amendment. But we have them in place. So you have a health care proxy. You've got a living will. You've got a last will and testament so that people can join property. And I debated this with a couple living across the street that happened to have been you know, gay. And when they, I explained it to them, I said, government already has it in place. Just make your government in the state, you know, enforce it. And she goes, oh, I agree with you. So we do have ways of having a discussion without getting into a full fistfight. I agree. And the key is to be respectful, right? Understanding this is our fellow human being, fellow American citizen, um, and the most important thing is to make sure that people have rights, right? And and as long as we're not stomping on each other's rights or trying to revoke rights or turn us back into something else that we're not, and recognize that just because I have a certain religious or political belief doesn't mean it's always the right answer. And that's the whole point about our Bill of Rights, is that we have the opportunity to operate as our own within our civil society, as long as, again, not committing violence or preventing people from living their own individual independent life. Again, as long as you're not committing violence and, and, and controlling other people, that's the biggest concern that I have. But we can have those conversations. And I'm glad that you were able to have that conversation. By the way, that is a big topic in terms of how we moved away from this idea of civil unions. And I, I debated, that, I don't know if you remember Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez under President George W. Bush. I had that exact debate with him. He's, he's a very devout Catholic you know, he was a judge on the Texas Supreme Court before he became attorney general. That was the exact argument I made is what you just said is as soon as the government begins defining something that intrudes on what the church does, well, now you've allowed the government into the church and, and then the church can be defined 
by the government, which is problematic. And he, he conceded that point. He said, you're, you're right, that, is, that becomes a problem. So that's why I always um, counsel my religious friends to be wary of pushing something that serves you religiously onto the public square because it can come back to haunt you as well. And one of my perfect examples for that is, uh, so you want your church bell to ring, which might disturb neighbors, but by golly, it's your church, and it's your church bell, so you passed an ordinance to allow church bells to ring. And then when a Muslim moves into town, and they have the same right now as your church bell, to have the call to prayer, you no longer have a right to co- to complain about their speaker with the call to prayer, because you passed the ordinance to have your church bell ring. That's their church bell. So you've got to be careful when we start passing laws that recognize your specific religious rights, because... It's not always going to be your religion that's in the majority. Well, Ethan, it has been a pleasure having you on here. And keep on coming on, Tucker, and I invite you back here again. One day we'll we'll turn you. We'll make you a conservative. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. Well, I appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me on, uh, on the show today. I, I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Dad, can I ask him a question Thank before you. he goes real quick? Annie? Ethan, do you mind? Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, please. Why is it so many people? Um, okay, it it seems like if anyone disagrees, I'm always saying, well, so what if we disagree? What's the big deal? It seems like people. I, I mean, are what can you attribute that to? I mean, if you disagree, they almost even if it's on something meaningless, it's almost like so sensitive to them. I mean, is it has it always been like that, or is is it me? It, it, it actually has, and uh, we, it is deep inside of us as human beings. Whenever we, are, we have something damaged, we have something hurt, we have something uh, that we haven't thought through well, any number of those things. So it really dives into human psychology, which is when we have something that's wrong, that's not addressed, that's not healed, that's not solved, um, it makes us uncomfortable, and we have a pain in there. And so when somebody does something that addresses that pain or pokes at that pain or exposes that wound or addresses it even in an indirect manner, that causes us pain inside, which disallows us to be able to confront it, to discuss it. And you know, sometimes it's in the approach and the way that we address it with one another. Sometimes it's, there's nothing that the other person did wrong, but it simply is – directly or indirectly, um, uh, dealing with whatever that pain is inside the individual. And this is why so many of us need to spend so much more time working on ourselves. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people, and, and on one of my other shows, I, get, I do a lot of health and wellness stuff. I always ask, I, whenever I interview people, I ask them how they start their day. If you're, a, uh, if you're a Christian, you should be starting your day with some devout prayer and maybe reading some Bible. If you're um, if you're into yoga, you're spending time doing some mudras and doing some stretches. If you're um, a Buddhist, you're doing some Buddhist prayers and you're doing some chanting and you're doing some meditating. Whatever that is, we all, every single one of us, we need to be doing a better job of healing ourselves so we can do a better job and we're more open and receptive to connecting and communicating with our fellow human beings. But it all starts with us first. We have to heal ourselves, and then we're better at connecting and communicating with our fellow humans. And then it's not so upsetting to hear an opinion that doesn't agree with yours because you're more centered. And again, I don't care what your belief system is. Every belief system has the same concept. Whatever that looks like for you and your religion or belief system, you have to find what that is and work on that in yourself and your relationship with the universe, God, whatever that might be, 
that's where that all starts. And when that is not in balance, you have a much harder time having those conversations and connections with fellow humans. Thank you. Well, Ethan, thank you for joining us and uh, keep up the good work. And like I said, one day we'll convert you. <laughs> Chuck or I. <laughs> well, I am open to having the conversation, so I always appreciate it. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me on the show today. Thank you, Ethan. Take care. Check out Ethan Behrman, EthanBehrman.com. Uh, uh, his show is out of San Francisco. It's usually up on the same time as ours is, uh, but he gets off at 3.30, so he's able to join us. Mike, thanks for hanging out with us. It was a lot of fun. And oh, first, yeah. Thank you for great having me, Mike. Ethan. Andy, yeah, this was and amazing. Got great guests. I mean, if you stop to think about it, you have an underdog congressman who's really inspiring. Uh, you had the seasoned veteran, obviously. We already talked about him. And, I mean... You were right. I'd have never guessed him for a million dollars. I thought it was going to be maybe an old co-host or, you know, an old friend of the show or something. Um, Wow. Great job today. Well, I got him hooked him last night uh, just before I went to bed. I sent an email out, and uh, they got back to me first thing this morning. So, like I said, I was going to be a very surprised guest. You thought that I would never have a liberal on the show, but... (laughs) If you see him up on Taco Carlson, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, if you probably probably up on YouTube anyway, or up on Fox's uh, website. But anyway, thanks guys for joining us. Uh, I extended the show somewhat because uh, of so much that was going on. So I want to thank you for uh, hanging out with us. Uh, thank you everyone that's up in the chat room, plus that was posting up in Facebook as well as up on YouTube. We'll be back here Friday, same bat time, same bat station, with another exciting show. And I'll leave you with, when the roll is called up yonder. Until then, I say good night and God bless. Take Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.